If you have a financial question for Peg or Bruce, you can call this number 24-7. Keep in mind, that's one eight 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 six advice You can also email your questions to yourmoney at wealthenhancement.com. And during the show, like right now, you can also call or text our studio line, 651-461-9226. Right now, here's Senior Vice President and Financial Advisor Peg Webb and the founder of Wealth Enhancement Group, Financial Advisor Bruce Helmer. Good morning. Good morning, you two. Thank you, Denny Long. Hi, Peg. Uh, Peg, are you ready to do the heavy lifting today? Yeah, uh, always, Bruce. Always. <laughs> yeah, yeah, when you're stuck with me, pretty much always. So, Denny and <laughs> listeners, um, we talk a lot on the show you know, about investing, although we also talk a lot about comprehensive financial planning, and investing is just a part of that. But whenever you talk about investing, I think the first two words – you often hear are stocks and bonds. And I think, Peg, we spend a lot more time talking about stocks. So we thought it would be good today to spend time talking about bonds. How do we use them in a portfolio? Most of our clients, many of our portfolios, includes exposure to bonds or bond funds. And so I think we need to, Peg, go back to the you know square one for a lot of people and just identify even what a bond is and then go into a little detail. How do we use them? Why do we use them? Uh, what are the uh, pros and cons? And ladies and gentlemen, Danny, we've got no better person. The resident expert in bonds at Wealth Enhancement Group is none other than our co-host, Peg Webb. So we don't need any other guests. Peg is going to do the heavy lifting today <laughs> and tell us about bonds. Yeah, I think, Bruce, it's it's interesting because we haven't focused on bonds or, or I don't know that we've ever done an entire show on bonds because especially the last 15 years, we've experienced just historic low and falling interest rates. So they've been just boring. And the drama was is like a one-year treasury was at 0%. Who wants to talk about that, right? And the last 13 years, the stock market has been, um, you know, center of the stage because it's done so well, you know, over the decade. So now we have this dramatic change, though, Bruce. I just said that the one-year Treasury was 0%. Today, it's north of 4%. I mean, look at that compounding in a matter of a really short period of time. So, yes, I'd like to just start with the basics. Some of you who are listening today might go, well, who doesn't know that? Well, simply put, bonds and stocks are a component of companies wanting to raise money, you know, for their fiscal operations. And they don't want to just go to a bank and borrow money like you and I would for a mortgage for a house. They want to go to us and say, hey, would you like an IOU from this corporation? And or would you like to own some of the company in the way of stock? Well, we all understand stock because we understand that we do own part of that company when we buy the shares. But with bonds, All they're saying to you is, if you buy one of our bonds, we're going to give you kind of a promise, provided that they have the ability to pay, that we're going to pay you an interest rate for a certain amount of time. And by the way, if you hold this bond to maturity, you know, there's a stated time that we're going to give you your money back. 
Well, that seems super simple, doesn't it? Very straightforward. Um, the complexity comes in the fact that there's so many types of bonds. I think it's confusing to people because I started my career, Bruce, in municipal bonds. So that's one type of bond. And a municipal bond is, let's take the state of Minnesota. The state of Minnesota borrows money and offers us to buy their credit in bonds and pay us an interest rate for a stated period of time. And provided that the state of Minnesota is still positive in cash flow, they're going to give us our money back. And corporations do the same thing. But the one that I think we're hearing the most about today, and Bruce, I mentioned it in the very beginning of the show, is the U.S. Treasuries. And the reason that interest rates are so volatile today is one of the tools that the Federal Reserve can use is to raise rent interest rates to get us to stop spending. There's just way too many consumers still chasing too few goods, and they keep raising rates to try to slow us down. Um, so, Bruce, those are just kind of some of the basics of bonds, uh, and I wanted to start with that. Okay, let me, um, if I may, let me play the part of, the, uh, of our listening audience and I'm going to ask you some questions that I actually do know the answer to, but you can explain it better than I can. And I may also ask you some questions that I don't know the answer to, and I'll learn right along with our audience. But the way you just describe bonds, it's instead of ownership in a company like stock is, it's a loan. It would seem logical to me then two things. Number one, that my upside return or my upside potential is not as high as a stock or ownership in that company if that company does well and I can get a return far beyond the promised interest rate that, they, that they'll pay me if they borrow my money. That's accurate, correct? Correct, correct. So w one of the things we have to understand is, um, <clears throat> yes, they'll issue two types of securities, you know, a stock or a bond. Both of those have their own intrinsic risk. And why do I say that? Because stock, I think we all understand that that value can go up and down, but it's actually traded on an exchange. You know, so the value of this gets really confusing, I think, because the value of the stock, there's actually kind of a value that the company holds per share. Then there's this value that's traded, let's say, on the New York exchange. And the value of that stock is based on the supply and demand. How many people want to own that stock and how many people want to sell that stock? Well, it's the same with bonds in that I started the show with a very simplistic definition of what a bond is. And if we buy an individual bond and we hold that bond to maturity, collect our dividends along the way, you're going to get your money back provided that that corporation is still in good standing. Well, the same thing that I just described about the stock going higher and lower in value is the same thing with bonds. And this is where the confusion comes in, because if I own a basket of all these individual bonds and I have a 2% coupon and it's going to come due, it's going to mature in 10 years from now. Well, right now, that same credit, that same company that's issuing a bond today 
is at 4%. Do you think anybody wants my 2%? No. They'll say, no, I want 4 Well, then the way that they value bonds in the secondary market is they price my bond to the current interest rate. So I have to offer a 4% yield on my bond. So what does that mean? Well, I have to discount my face value for the new buyer to equal four. So when people look at their portfolios today, Bruce, they're seeing that their bonds are down. And why they're down is the, the, the um, money managers are pricing those bonds to the market. So you're going to see a negative on your bond portfolio because if you were to sell today, we need to value those bonds at a discount to earn the same coupon or interest rate that people would earn on a brand new bond today. Okay, that all made sense to me. And what I can gather from that is, um, as we said, bonds offer less upside than stocks, but are they also offering an investor less risk? And if so, how so? Well, when we talk about risk, uh, it's, it's, it, it depends on what credit you're looking at buying. So is the U.S. Treasury, the government, a good credit? So far, absolutely. Yeah. You know, they've, they've paid all their obligations. Then you've got a corporation. What if it's a brand new corporation that decided to um, issue bonds? That credit is going to be far less, <clears throat> you know, and, and <clears throat> excuse me, and and not have as long of a history as the U.S. Treasury has. So I see bonds as a whole as something that almost every single investor should own meaning you have to have a part of your portfolio that you deem as growth and a part of your portfolio that you deem as fixed income, or you could say steadier long-term than maybe growth is. Now, you're not going to earn probably as much um, in bonds as you would in stocks. And and when I started my career, uh, someone said to me, this was a quote, Buy stocks when you want to eat well. Buy bonds if you want to sleep well. You know, so that Ooh, I like makes that. sense. I, yeah. yeah. I mean, so just basic, basic stocks are going to be more volatile than bonds. But let's go to right now today. I mean, I've been doing this for a long time and I have not witnessed the 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 rapid increase in interest rates in a very short period of time. I think we're all, I mean, I'm in the business and I went, wow, that is dramatic. But um, just all the things leading up to today and the fact that inflation was just, is just out of control. um, Once again, the Fed has to do some really dramatic, take out some tools out of their toolbox and be very dramatic right now. And what they would like us to do is have, you know, lots of pain, but short-term pain so that we get on the backside of this and we get to normal sooner than later. Okay, so you mentioned most of our portfolios, most of our clients have some exposure to bonds. And a key thing there that I took out of that that I want to emphasize for listeners is that even if a bond price falls, which it does during rising interest rates, 
the the coupon or the dividend is the sure thing in the bond. Even if the share price falls, you're still going to get your 2% or your 4% or whatever that coupon is, whereas in a stock, they're, they're probably isn't any income at all. Stock is for long-term growth, and I'm going to make the profit when I sell the stock. But the bond provides income along the way, even if the, whether the share price goes up or down, it doesn't matter. That income is there. Provided that the credit or the, the paying ability of whoever you're um, right. borrowing the money to is good. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and I just want to add here, too, they pay usually semi-annually these dividends or coupons. And so even if you hold a bond today and you're able then to take that coupon and reinvest, you know, maybe you are invested in a pool of bonds that someone manages, like a money manager. Well, they're going to, if you, if you, if you have checked the box on your holdings and said, Hey, reinvest my dividends, then they're going to go buy new bonds today. Um, and so in this type of environment, both for stocks and bonds, I'm highly encouraging my clients to reinvest their dividends because those, the, the cash that comes out in these dividends, you're buying at a lower um, price point. Okay, that, that all makes sense to me. Now, um, how do they work? How do we use them in portfolios? How do people better understand um, you know, if they invest in a broadly diversified portfolio and they have bond exposure, you know, why their why their portfolio manager is doing it and how are they using them? They go into a little more uh, sophisticated detail. This is a really good basic set the stage. Now let's uh, let's take let's take it to a, a higher level, more advanced course. Yeah. So you so number one, um, you can purchase individual bonds. Now, for most investors, that's difficult to do because you can't get enough diversification in your credits. And so what most people do is they go buy a pool of something like in a mutual fund or maybe an index fund or an exchange traded fund. That way you can participate in a whole pool of different bonds. But if indeed you're doing that, and I just want to mention this because so many of my clients ask me this, they're saying, well, I don't understand why it's just so dramatically down. Well, when you're in a pool of something, you know, you can't really control what everyone else is doing. So when interest rates started to go up dramatically in the beginning of this year, um, most investors are not accustomed at, at all that their bonds are going to go down, much less down in a double digit. A lot of these um, pools are negative 10%. So what happens is, and I like to say, people that don't use a financial advisor, they, and doing it themselves, they, they run out of those pools. They start selling and, and saying, oh my goodness, I can't lose this money. And, and so now all of a sudden, the money manager has to sell a bunch of those bonds at the current market to give the cash to the people who have liquidated. So we did see a lot of liquidations nationally in a lot of these pools early on. Well, recently, now that interest rates have gone up and the pools of these bonds, the yield is getting higher, these investors are going back in. So, Bruce, I wanted just to describe that it's not just the mark to the markets. It's also the 
the investors that can drive your percentage of return. Um, so that's a little bit more sophisticated uh, discussion there. But, you know, who should really own bonds? To me, everybody, unless you're like a super young person and you're just starting out and you want some growth. Um, but simply put, I think I, I'm a huge fan of bonds because I believe they have such a good place in a portfolio where they are predictable. And even though they're down today, um, you know, I'm not encouraging clients to sell them at all because what are you going to do? You go sell them, take your losses, and then what? You would just go buy other bonds that they've already marked to the market, but yet that doesn't make any sense. So everybody out there, just make sure that you fe- that you feel confident about the credits that you own and that the interest rate that you're getting paid is, you know, um, acceptable. And then, um, you know, how long is the duration of your bond? So a lot of people, Bruce, don't understand that if you buy a one-year bond, it's a lot less risky from a duration standpoint. So if I bought a a treasury today at 4% and it was a one-year, and I wanted to sell that bond before the one year's out, I probably wouldn't lose a whole lot of money because it's only a one-year bond. It's going to mature anyway. If I bought a 30-year treasury and interest rates had gone up and I sold today, I'm going to lose a lot more of my money because it's marked to the market 30-year duration. So there's a lot more risk in how your maturities are um, are played in your portfolio. And so I wanted the uh, listeners to understand that too, that you have to ask questions about your bond portfolio and become knowledgeable about what happens when we are in circumstances like this. Um, How much would you lose? Now, nobody, nobody, nobody loses if you don't sell your portfolio when it's down. That's so similar to the stock market. So um, I just wanted to throw that out there as well. So we've just got a couple minutes left in the first half, Peg. And I want to remind listeners, Danny, um, that if they want to jump in and ask uh, Peg a question today on bonds, um, we encourage them to do that. We'll, we'll get to all calls in the second half of the show, but they can call 651-461-9226. But, Peg, in a couple minutes we have left, one of the questions I'm hearing now, and you just made me think of it, with what you just said, is that the Fed is going to keep raising interest rates. And as we talked about, as interest rates go up, bond prices go down. What do you say to investors that say, why would you put me in bonds now if I know the price is going to go down because the Fed is going to keep raising interest rates? Yeah, what what's happening is um, I can appreciate that question because to to date, that's actually happened, where every time the Fed has raised rates, now just so you understand, that's the Fed funds rate, so it doesn't mean that your bonds, because the Fed went up 0.75, meaning that your interest rates on what you want to buy is going up 0.75. Um, and so what I, what I encourage people to do is we don't know really what's going to happen in the short term with bonds, just as we don't know what's going to happen with stocks. So I've been endorsing, you know, buying bonds if people have cash to just buy them along the way. And if they go up, they're only incrementally going up a little bit. And also when you look at it, let's say it's 
20 basis points or less than a quarter percent higher, that doesn't tally up to a whole lot anyway. So I encourage my clients to buy at the current rates. Okay, that that made sense to me. So, Denny, let's do this. When we come back in the second half, we'll kind of review a little bit what Peg covered in the first half, plus anything else that she wants to get to that she hasn't yet. But then, as much as possible, let's let the listeners uh, drive the show in the second half of the show. Very good, Bruce. In fact, the listeners are already getting involved. If you uh, would uh, like to call in your question, great. If you want to send a text, either way, there's just one number to remember. As Bruce said, 651-461-9226. Now, keep in mind that if you don't have that chance today and you uh, maybe will think of a financial question midweek, you can always call this number 24-7, and that's 888 888- Six advice again eight 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 six advice and of course you can always email those questions to your money at wealthenhancement dot com but do take advantage of our time right now you can call or text our studio line at six five one four six one nine two two six do that right now six five one four six one nine two two six back with more of your money. If you have a financial question for Peg or Bruce, you can call this number 24-7-1-888-6 advice. You can also email those questions to your money at wealthenhancement.com. But you can also right now call or text our studio line 651-461-9226, 651-461-9226. Once again, here's Senior Vice President and Financial Advisor Peg Webb and the founder of Wealth Enhancement Group, Financial Advisor Bruce Helmer. Thank you, Denny Long. Thank you for uh, being with us, listeners. If you uh, were with us in the first half of the show, you heard uh, Peg Webb talk about bonds and what they are and how we use them and why they are part of your portfolio. Um, if, you're, if you joined us late, I'll do a quick recap and then throw it back to Peg because I know there's a couple more things uh, she wants to talk about. So Peg taught us in the first half that bonds – or like an IOU, um, you're lending a, a company or a government min- municipality, you're lending them money, and they give you an IOU or a promissory note, and they promise to pay you a certain interest rate or coupon rate, and then uh, there's a defined holding period, and at the end of that holding period, assuming they have the economic wherewithal to do so, they will pay you back your investment. So you get your money back plus that interest rate. Um, And she also talked about different types of bonds. Uh, We talked about corporate bonds. Uh, She talked uh, a little bit about municipal bonds, which are uh, smaller government entities. And then she talked about treasuries. And different bonds have different levels of risk. A, A U.S. Treasury bond, backed by the full faith and credit of the United States government, is going to have less risk than a smaller government bond, or, or which is less than a corporate bond with a new company that might not make it and might uh, actually fail and not be able to fulfill its obligation. Uh, Peg, we, we, we talked about how bond uh, prices go down when interest rates go up, which is logical because if, if you had a 2% coupon bond and now interest rates have gone up and they're 4 you've got to discount the price of your bond if you want to sell it because nobody's going to give you ten, you know, whatever you paid to get two percent if they can get four. So you have to reduce the price so that the the yield ends up being, you know, the same they, as they can get in the current interest rate environment. 
Um, we talked about them being part of a diversified portfolio that normally stocks and bonds have a converse relationship to one another. 2022, part of what has made this year so onerous is that it's a, a, an atypical year. It's an outlier and that both stocks and bonds did poorly in the same year. We usually don't see that happen. And so part of the reason bonds end up in a portfolio is, a, is as a diversifier to, or to reduce your risk. And also we talked about bonds provide income. Even if they, their share price goes down, we put bonds in a portfolio that for people that want a portfolio that maybe also includes income. So portfolio could be all growth, all income, or growth and income. And a growth and income portfolio is likely to have both stocks and bonds in it. So, Peg, that's, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong or, or, or fill in a gap if I forgot something, but I think that's pretty much what you covered in the first half. But I know you've got some other key takeaways or action items for listeners, uh, other things they should know about bonds. Yeah, so I like to look at the bright side of everything. And the bright side here with interest rates up is all sorts of things. I've got four action items that I'd like people to listen to and then actually take action. So number one, we all have safe money sitting somewhere, meaning we didn't even have that in the stock market. And maybe you didn't even have it in the bond market. You just had it in the bank. A lot of cash in the bank where people are just sitting there and and they didn't like to participate in the stock market, but yet they couldn't get anything on a bond either. So it just sat there. All of you need to take action. Number one, you call the bank and say, are you paying me a respectable rate of return? They are not going to just all of a sudden give you all sorts of interest on your money. Um, Maybe you have to nudge them a little bit. Also, contact your financial advisor because we're taking lots of cash out of the bank and we're buying treasuries and we're buying bonds in their short term. But at least now you get to celebrate because you're making money on your money. Now, in all fairness, I know inflation's at 8%. And if we look at a 4 4.5% bond, you're still in negative territory. But I hope temporarily that inflation is going to go down and you're going to be happy that you earn those types of rates. Secondly, this is the first time in a very long time, and I'm talking 15 years plus, that if you have a portfolio with bonds in it now, you probably have losses. Now you have losses on paper, not that you're selling your bonds. And I know I just told you, don't sell your bonds, hang on to them. But for tax reasons, you may want to sell those bonds capture those losses, create a kitty of losses, meaning you can only use $3,000 per year off your ordinary income, but then you still get to carry forward these losses for future gains. And maybe you've already taken you know, gains on your stock portfolio. So don't ignore the fact that your bonds are down. You could take action and uh, do some tax planning. The third thing is, is a repeat of reinvest your dividends today because you're going to make more money on your money. And then income um, distribution planning. If you're taking money out of your portfolio, be thoughtful, be mindful of where you're taking your money out now 
don't just assume that it's the best place. Maybe you challenge yourself or your advisor as to, is that the best place for me to take my income from right now? Because lots of things are down. And um, I, I truly believe in in uh, doing a calculated uh, thought process when I send out checks to my clients as for, for what, what money should we spend today to live on? Bruce? Peg, that was awesome. And, and especially the last point, uh, I want to hit a little harder and, and, and then I'll throw it back to Danny. But you, know, you really delved away from just the specific topic today of bonds and really went into retirement income planning. And we always talk about spend the smartest money first. Now, how do you know what that is? It's going to be a combination of your investment results on the various things that you have and the tax consequences of where you take that income from. And I think a lot of people, Peg, want, want, want to have kind of a set it and forget it. You know, I'm going to take it here and just that's it. They're, they're done. They're going to take it there until it runs out and then they're going to go to the next thing and then the next thing. That's really something that we look at at least once a year, maybe even every six months to make sure that for, for retirement income planning, to maximize the efficiency of your retirement income, to get the most bang for your buck, to pay the least amount of taxes, to make sure that money lasts as long as possible for you to maintain the lifestyle you want and never run out of money. That's something that we, that we look at and, and on a constant, ongoing basis. That never stops, and we review that all the time. I'm really glad you brought that out. Um, because that goes even above and beyond just the main topic today of bonds. That's part of comprehensive financial planning, and that's a very important part of the type of work that we do with clients. So, Denny, let's, uh, let's try to throw it to listeners. And by the way, it doesn't have to be just questions on bonds. Our focus is there, but Peg and I will try to address any and all financial questions that people might have. And we have uh, quite a list of them as well. 651-461-9226 if you'd like to join in on the conversation, either by phone or by text. 651-461-9226. Here's one. It says, if you have stocks or bonds that have a high value, should you sell those shares and buy lower value shares to increase the number of shares? Peg? Um, actually, I don't, I don't get that question. I'm just kind of thinking about it. I, I, I don't think that that makes sense because, it, and I know about the math and the multiplication and the compounding and all of that, but I, I've, I've not heard of really selling higher valued shares because you probably have a taxable event that you probably have to pay some capital gains on to go buy the lower value. What I can tell you, though, is this concept I've used a lot when I'm doing Roth conversions right now. And Roth conversions just being taking some of your taxable IRA money and converting it to a Roth that then would grow tax-free. What I like about the markets per, stock market being down is that I can sell out of the IRA at a lower price and I can move more shares into the Roth IRA that I know are going to compound in a better environment being tax-free. But Bruce, just taking a, a share and selling it at a high and then going buying you know, more when it's low, I have not done that. 
Well, I, I'm going to I'm going to I beg to differ with you just a little, and I and I like your answer, by the way, and this is why I love that the two of us do this together because sometimes you think of things I don't, and you just did, and I think of things that you don't. But to me, as as Danny read the the text, the first thought I had was they're talking about tax loss harvesting, but they kind of got it backwards. So we will, in a non-qualified or non-IRA portfolio, sell securities when they're down on purpose. Now I hear people screaming at their radio, no, you tell us not to sell when it's low. We sell a particular fund, but then we simultaneously buy a different fund in that same asset class. And, and by doing that, we lock in the loss or harvest that loss so we can use that deduction, but we're still in that asset class or we're still exposed to the, to really to that position so that when the market recovers, we'll, we'll recognize the gain. But then my brain went to, no, what they're really talking about is rebalancing. So we do sell high to buy things low. So let me, let me explain to the listener mm-hmm. pick what I mean by rebalancing. So if you have a portfolio that's 50% stock or 50% bond, or maybe it's two different types of stock, 50% large cap stock and 50% small cap, and the large cap stock has done better recently, and now you look at your portfolio and it's 60% large cap, 40% small cap, and you go, well, wait a minute, I wanted a 50-50. I didn't want a 60-40. You might sell some of that 60%, meaning it's high. It went up faster, or, or, or the other uh, the small cap uh, went down in value or didn't grow as fast. And now you go buy that, and it's cheaper, and you go back to a 50-50. So what, I think what the texture really was kind of describing was just the rebalancing that we do in a portfolio. Am I missing something? No, I, I, that's spot on, Bruce. I'm glad you mentioned that. I took it as taking the very same thing. So if you have a, a stock and you go to the same stock, right, you're going to sell one, and then you're going to go buy for more shares. I've just not seen that. I love how you said this rebalancing, which is a terrific thing to be doing right now. And then also, um, only if you believe in what you're rebalancing to, you know, has potential as well. So I don't want people to just go rebalance to something that maybe they don't even feel has potential in the next couple of years. So, I, you know, I, I I have to say this right now. I think People have to do their research. I think it's more complicated today than it's ever been because we have stocks and bonds that are down. Like, what do you do? What steps? If you have an advisor, you have to ask questions and lots of them. And then if you don't have an advisor, maybe you do need help. I just feel like 2022, especially year end here, you can maximize some of these losses and take action. I think way too many people do nothing. Because they don't know what to do, Bruce. Yeah, gridlock. And and isn't it funny how our brains work? Because now that you say that, I didn't even think of that. But I think you're right. I think that is what the texture meant. And my brain took it to a different place that they didn't mean. I think I think you uh, perceived it better than I did. Danny, more questions? Yes. Another text came in. A great show as always. Thank you. And uh, this texture is a comment more than a question. What I've always done, texture says, is hold a 10-year laddered basket of 10 high-quality municipal or corporate bonds. I hold all to maturity and replace one each year when the other one matures. 
Your time. Uh, I great, love that. Yeah, I great, love that. Peg, Peg, talk a little bit about uh, laddering, which is what the texture's talking about. And then it hit me, we didn't uh, talk about the potential tax advantage of municipal bonds. Maybe you want to elaborate a little bit on that. Yeah, so this ladder idea we use frequently because we def- we don't know where interest rates are going. And right now, it's such an interesting port- point in time because the one-year Treasury is, let's say, at 4%, and the 30-year Treasury is at 3.5%. So that's what's called an inverted curve. And what that means is, is that the, historically, the probability of that short-term interest rate coming down and the long-term interest rate either going back up is probably going to happen historically. So what does that mean? It just means that interest rates are probably going to change over the next two to five, ten years, right? So what this, what this um, texter is saying, how about, and this is what they're doing, how about buying a one-year maturity, two-year maturity, three-year, five-year, ten-year and build a ladder so that you always have bonds coming due each and every year. Well, why is that great? Well, because if interest rates go up, then you have the cash to go buy the new bond and position in your portfolio. And by the way, when you go buy your new bond, you're going to buy it on the long end. So because time has gone forward, right? So all of a sudden you got this cash. So now you need to go buy a new 10-year bond and you can keep that going. And that way that is a hedge against interest rates, um, you know, that that we utilize um, as well. The other question or the comment, Bruce, about municipals is when I talked about the state of Minnesota issuing bonds, um, if you buy a bond within the state that you reside and you're a resident, then the coupon or the interest is tax-free, both federally and state tax-free. So those are very popular in high uh, state tax states, which we happen to live in. Uh, but there's, you can buy other bonds, municipalities around the nation, but you may not get that Minnesota tax-free um, component. So I'm a big fan of those two, but you got to watch, Bruce, what tax bracket you're in. It doesn't make sense for everyone. Um, and then with treasuries, this is super exciting because people don't know this a lot, is that treasuries are actually income tax-free state-wise. So wherever you live, you're going to pay federal tax on a treasury, but if you live in Minnesota, you're going to have that income tax-free. So that's another benefit with treasuries. Bruce? Uh, that I can't add to that. That was brilliant. Denny, do we have a caller? Yes, we do. Kathy is on the line with a question. Uh, thanks for waiting, Kathy. What is your question? I am wondering if a retired person can take cash that they have in the bank and open um, a Roth IRA. Hey, Kathy, can I ask you a quick question? Yes. Now, you say retired. Do you have any kind of a part-time job or anything that uh, that provides you a W-2 income? No, I don't. And that was where I get myself into trouble. So, <laughs> yeah, Kathy, thanks, thanks for listening and thanks for your question. So, Peg, Kathy's retired, but she wants to contribute to a Roth IRA. Yeah, unfortunately, unless you, you know, if you do not have a W-2 income, then you're not eligible 
for a Roth IRA. And on the flip side, if you do have income and you have too much income, you're not eligible for a Roth IRA. Now, if you happen to have a spouse that's still working, then you can actually piggyback on that person's income. And, um, and so then you don't have to be working to be eligible, uh, Bruce. Yeah, well, I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm glad you went down that road because I, I hadn't thought of that. Um, so, yeah, Kathy, if, if you were married and, you're, and your husband was still working or your spouse is still working, um, then you could both contribute to a Roth, but you can't contribute more than your total earned income. So, and, and you're limited on how much you can put into a Roth. Then the other place my brain went, but I don't think this is going to help you, Kathy, I think Kathy is specifically looking at maybe more cash in the bank than what she needs and trying to do something smart with that money. And a Roth certainly would, would qualify as a smart idea if you had earned income and were eligible. But if you also have traditional IRAs somewhere, Kathy, you can convert them into a Roth. So you might still find a way to get into Roths, but unfortunately you can't just do it with your non-IRA or non-qualified cash sitting in the bank. But if that cash is still too much or more than you need, you might want to consider some other investments, but just you won't have the luxury of having them uh, in a Roth. Um, Peg, we got less, you know, less than two minutes. Any final thoughts on bonds before we throw it back to Denny to take us home? Well, I would just reiterate some of my actions because you only have a certain amount of time here to take advantage of down um, securities. And so look at your portfolio, see if there's any losses, both on stocks and bonds and, um, you know, do some preparing, got to do something by the end of the year. And then also take a, a kind of a check of how much safe money you have, how much growth you have, just make sure that the balance of your whole portfolio right now is the way you want it, because now is the time to change it, Bruce. Absolutely. All right, Danny, I know we're about out of time. Yes, indeed. A reminder to our listeners that if you uh, have a financial question you think of maybe midweek, you can always call 888-6ADVICE, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's 888-6ADVICE. And of course, you can always email those questions to your money at wealthenhancement.com. But in the meantime, keep in mind, when we head back to our next show, and we hope you join us, you can call in or text in at 651-461-9226. But uh, we do would love to hear from you. Again, here's that toll-free number, 888-6ADVICE. And join us next time for more of Your Money.